1: Welcome to the four-man rush. This is Kevin Avery. Tonight, I have my partners with me, Will Harris, Larry Reynolds, and the return of the infamous Monty Fetty Jr., who was out last week. Welcome back, bro. Glad you're back in the house with us. On tonight, we're going to be discussing several hot topics that's going on in Panther Nation. Uh, What's going on, first of all, that's really got everybody talking is the spring meetings, that NFL is having out in Arizona today. We're going to be discussing what was said by head coach Ron Rivera, general manager Marty Herney, and the owner, Mr. Tupper. Also, we're going to discuss Ron Rivera's take on what is the number one receiver in the Carolina Panther offense. This has been a sore spot for many heated debates for years, so we're going to dive into that as well. Also, we got the recent draft visits by potential college uh, prospects. We're going to break down the impact of the latest free agent signing, Bruce Irvin. And we're going to finish up with some closing remarks from everybody. So that'll be the order that we're going tonight. But as you all know, we just flow the way it flows. So I'm going to start things off by talking about the spring meeting. With March 13th rolling around, that became the brand new fiscal year in the NFL and with that, I always follows up with the annual spring meeting. It was held in Arizona. Out there representing Carolina Panthers was head coach Ron Rivera, general manager Marty Herney, and the owner, Mr. Tepper. Each one of them sat down with Panther beat writers from the local media and provided excellent detail and insight, and also what the possible future plans are for the 2019 squad that we're, that we're putting together piece by piece i like to start off by talking with the the head coach, Ron Rivera. Uh, He sat down and had some conversations with people like Bill Voth, Jordan Rodriguez, Max Henson, and others from the local Charlotte area uh, media. Um, Coach was pretty much talking about Cam Newton, uh, the change to the defense, questions about the offensive line, and a few other things. First part stop out is what's always hot and topic to talk about Cam Newton. Coach Rivera was talking about um, the surgery that Cam had back in February and the recovery process. As we all know, Cam was uh, the subject of much <laughs> fun conversation this week with his interview with uh, James Corbin on Late Night. So, fellas, starting off with you, Will, uh, what you feel about the progress what Cam's making so far?
2: I mean, you like what you hear so far. Um <clears throat> just hoping that the shoulder recovers. You know, hopefully he'll be 100% by training camp. And hopefully he can just build off last season. You know, I mean, you know, you like what you see in his videos with the having the personal trainer over his house 24th or on call, on demand, whenever we need him to go through rehab and get his motion back. So, yeah, I'm excited to see how it turns out. You know, so far, so good.
1: Hey, Monty, what you got to say? We talked about this a little bit last week. He wasn't here, man, so... Uh, definitely, uh, let us know what you feel about um, what's going on with Cam Newton and his uh, rehab and vegan lifestyle and things of that nature.
3: Um, well, but besides his his you know his his new March commitment, I, I'm I'm with <laughs> you know I'm with Will. I, I actually think that I'm I, I love everything that I'm seeing. You know, from just from his recommitment to his health, from just you know, just from his diet and and, and him. Putting that constant and that extra work in on on his shoulder, like like Will said, having having the trainer over there on demand the is. I feel like that that just shows his rededication to, to not only his body, but you know, but but his him knowing how significant he is in his offense, and also knowing that this year is going to be a big year for him, not only from a contract standpoint, but just. From, from this franchise, you know, I, I think he him, everybody feels the shift that's coming, and I feel like he he recognizes that. So I love it, man. I, I'm I'm praying and, and I'm hoping I I feel Cam's gonna come back in and, ha- and have a big year for us this year, man. All
1: right, Larry, what about you, bro?
3: Well, uh, I'll start off by saying,
4: man, I give him a lot of credit because it's hard enough for me to just get through that time of the month with my girl. So <laughs> I give him all the credit, all the credit in the world. You know, I'm
3: telling you, brother, <laughs>
4: he can accomplish that. Man, that's more power to him. But honestly, this is boring news to me because, to be brutally honest, what you can is the most exceptional athlete I've ever seen. I've never once questioned his work ethic, even if he's had a down year. If you just look at him, whether he wants to put on weight, whether he wants to lose weight. He's always a physical specimen, and he's always difficult to deal with. So, I mean, I'm sure he's got the right people in his corner to tell him what to do. I'm just excited. If he thinks this is going to be the best thing for his career, let's do it. You know, he's getting older, so to slim down a little bit, still have a whole bunch of muscle physique, still have a whole bunch of power and and explosiveness out of him, I'm all for it. But honestly, it's just boring news to me. I've always expected the best out of Kim athletically. He's in that category with LeBron in him. So best of luck to him. I know he's probably going to benefit us in a big way. And we're just excited to see it happen.
1: Yeah. And for everybody out there, let me go ahead and clear clarify this whole uh, monthly sacrifice by Cam Newton. It was asked what, is, what the flower meant on his Instagram. And Cam made it known that, you know, beginning this year, he was making a sacrifice. For the month of January, he stopped betting and gambling. That was his January sacrifice. Uh, his February sacrifice was going vegan. Uh, as we all know, Cam already was a, what you call A procrastitarian where he was eating meat?
3: Pescitarian, pescatarian.
1: Pescatarian. Okay. All right. You know, not about to say a bad religion or something. But anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so he had given the meat, but he took it to a whole nother level with this vegan style. For those that don't know, vegan means Not only no meat, but nothing of any animal byproducts. And for the month of March, he called No Climax March. That basically means not just not sex, but no type of release of a physical form of sexual gratification whatsoever. We all grown. We all grown here. You know, and... I
4: give him credit.
1: Yeah. Hey, bruh, I... you know, it's, it's one thing to say no sex, but no release at all. Hey, hats off to him. You know what I'm saying? I, I I don't see myself doing that challenge no time soon myself. But hey, Cam, you the man. Do what you got to do. So when the month of March is over, it'll be a different challenge. I saw people thinking he's he's trying to give up sex for the rest of the year or all this other stuff. I saw the little memes by the little rival groups and stuff. Trust me, at stroke of midnight of April the first, Cam going full speed. You know what I'm saying? So don't be surprised if baby number four <laughs> is not announced during training camp. You know what I'm saying? So hey, Cam is not giving up sex for the rest of his for the rest of the year. It was just for a month. So we can go ahead and uh, put that off to rest. All right. The uh, other part that Rivera was talking about was, you know, just he briefly discussed, you know, the release of Matt Khalil. Uh, Again, you know, Monty, when you was gone, we talked about this. It wasn't much of a shock or surprise. Uh, basically, Rivera said, I, and, and I quote, I think it's just a fresh start more than anything else. I also think from my understanding that he was not going to be prepared until we go to training camp. So let's say for whatever reason that we did resign Daryl Williams and kept Khalil, he still wasn't going to be ready for OTAs and the mini camp. It was going to be into a training camp. But with the resigning of Daryl Williams, they figured they'd just go ahead and chalk up the dead salary cap, go ahead and release this man, and you know let him get a fresh start. And personally, I wish Matt Khalil the best with the rest of his career. Uh, I was on his team while he was here, but when you're not here, hey, well wishes, and you know I'll get with
3: you. So Monty, you go ahead and tell us how you feel about Khalil, man. Um, well, y'all know how I felt about Khalil. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was trying to hold out uh, faith. That that would, would would be serviceable this season, but um, no love lost. You know, I, I I wish him the best, as you said, Kev, But you know, is I'm I'm definitely not crying over us releasing Clell. uh you know, and and I and just like the other moves that we've made this year, I think we're drawing a line in the sand and saying, you know, we're, we're looking to get better and younger across the board. You know, and that's and that's from offensive tackle to defensive tackle. Uh, again, across the board, wherever we can go, uh, we have whatever we can do to improve this roster, I'm all for it. And and you know, if that was releasing Cleo, I'm, you know, let's let's. I'm now, let's just. Who's going to be our, our left tackle now? That's that's just what I'm what I'm more concerned about now. So let's do it, brother.
1: Yeah, I think um, Will and uh, Larry pretty much keeping their same sentiments. Um, it was just time. Best wishes. So. We'll go ahead and move on from Matt Khalil, but uh definitely want to get Monty's feedback on it. Staying with the offensive line, uh, Rivera also was discussing the new additions to the offensive line with the signing of former Denver Broncos center Matt Paradis. He got a three-year, $27 million deal. The surprise return of Darrell Williams for one year, $6 million. And Rivera was asked you know, about these signings, and here's some of the things that he uh, had to say about them. Ah, uh, he said about as, as Dale Williams. He said being able to get Darrell back was a little bit of a surprise, but a very pleasant surprise. I think all of us can um, pretty much thought he was a goner. We had saw rumors where he possibly was between the Bills and the Giants for his services, but uh, you know, as we touched on a lot with the last with the last episode, coming off a serious knee injury and only a one year of solid play. I, I can see why teams head off from opening up the bank to him. So I really think uh, Daryl Williams going to come out on fire and, and play to prove himself worthy of a big contract and that folds well for the team in 2019 and for his finances uh, in 2020. So definitely look forward to to uh, Daryl Williams. Again, kick it back to Monty for you on your insight about it, your take on it because again, me and the fellas discussed this at length last week
3: um yeah uh, I'm, i I love I actually love the deal um it, it was a cheap cap friendly deal for us a uh, one year deal to to a more proven deal you know like like you said for him to have one very high productive season it, it would make no sense for for teams just to open the bank and pay him now we see it happen all the time but you know I I think we kind of lucked out this time and and got Daryl back so now um I'm moving forward I know we'll we'll address this here shortly, but I'm more telling to see: do we keep Daryl on the right side or do we move him to left tackle? Because after seeing what Herney said today, now you question if if he's going to be our right tackle or do we keep Molden on the right side and, and let Daryl work out as left? Because you know, because. Herney was was kind. Of, he he didn't say that, but you know he kind of hinted at Daryl Williams has the the, the 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 actual physical build and make for left tackle. So that's I'm more interested in seeing moving forward now that after we after we blocked him down to see what, what we're going to move, what we're going to do with that. Yeah, I love the deal, man. I absolutely love it.
4: I'll jump right in, man. Honestly, I think the way he's looking at it is you got to treat them the same. They're both supposed to be swing tackles, so. I just look at who's the better athlete. In my opinion, you know, after two D surgeries or whatever, I think Moulton is the better the better athlete. So I'd rather look at him first at left tackle. Not to mention we've seen him get reps. We have film at, with Moulton at left tackle. Absolutely. I know Darryl tried it out a little bit, you know, when we first got him. He took some reps there in training camp. But honestly, we have some confidence with Moulton at left tackle. So let's keep that moving. You know, I don't want to change anything up
3: with Mo I with Daryl to be honest with you anyway. know, I'll be honest, I I agree. I I'm actually okay with either way. You know, I, I I definitely understand the 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 two surgeries on on the knee thing. So, right, I agree with you. Let's, we, you have tape of Mo on the left side. I'm fine with either way. You know, I, I think we have gotten better with our offensive line with keeping Daryl Williams another season and, and with the Matt Perry the signing as well. So, I'm I'm actually happy and, and I'm very excited about what this offensive line is gonna look like come um, September, you know. So I'm 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 all for it. same year, man.
1: What about you, Will? You
2: know, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's still March and you gotta go through all OTAs and training camp. And that's when you do your trial and error process, see who fits where, who doesn't fit where. So I just think we want the five best football players we got to be on that offensive line. You
1: know, Daryl and Moulton are certainly qualify as that. So we'll see what happens. Moving right along with the uh, with discussion about the offensive line we had mentioned about Peritus. Here's what Rivera had to say about him. He said, Coach Masco and I sat down and really gauged his football intelligence. And that was really good to see. I like how tenacious he plays as a player on tape. You see him finish off guys a lot like Ron Khalil. And he's athletic like Ron, too. Honestly, when I watched his tape, a lot of things that I saw, I compared him to Ryan, and I really thought he was very close to what Ryan does. Uh, Broncos general manager, John Elway, did mention uh, about Paradis' ankle, but Rivera reiterated that Panthers have no concerns. Uh, Rivera went on to say, the only thing I'm going to say is that we cleared him medically. We're very confident, and we look forward to having him out there with us. So uh, when it comes to you know the signing of Paradis, uh, for those who don't know, he fractured his tibler, I believe, broke broke leg. Uh, he only played like seven or eight games last year, went on IR. Uh, when he signed with Carolina, he was asked about his expected uh, recovery. He's expected to be a full goal by June. So possibly see him during the mandatory mini camp in June that we have right before breaking, before the uh, start of training camp. Personally, I'm, I'm very excited. Go Football Focus had him as the number two center in 2018 in spite of only playing uh, seven games, I believe. His run-blocking grade is top five in the league. He's only given up, I think it was something like one and a half sacks in the last two seasons, only 10 quarterback pressures in the last two years. So, I mean, anybody knows, you know, when Cam Newton has a clear pocket, he throws the prettiest, most accurate football that he's capable of. But when that pocket gets a little, little hectic, you know, he can throw off that back foot and it can fly a little bit. So I definitely think the uh, signing up Harris is going to help keep a lot of calm around Cam. And I, I think he's going to possibly be throwing better in 2019 than he did the start of 2018 prior to uh, getting injured. How do you fellas feel?
4: I agree with you. Um, same unknown to me, though. It's just like, to be honest with you, it's just like a Matt Khalil signing, man. You get a former fourth overall pick that has all the potential in the world. He's also coming off an inj- injury. You just don't know what you're going to get. Right. And what I watched on film, Paradis is first-team All-Pro. That's just what it is. But we just got to pray that he's the player that we know he can be. And with offensive linemen, lower body ailments are their biggest flaws. I like it's hard to recover from Achilles, leg, hamstring. Anything lower body is tough for offensive linemen. So we just got to be, as fans, we got to be optimistic and hope that he's 100% healthy. If he is, he can anchor that offensive line and be top five, to be honest with you. But it's just that unknown. That's my only concern with paradise At the end of the day, we got to keep pushing forward. We gave him $9 million a year. Let's do it.
3: Absolutely, um, and yeah, I I agree. I I think that film says when paradise is healthy, he's one of the best if not the best centers in in football. You know, so and with and, you know, I think this year is a lot of question marks dealing with that offense line and dealing with our quarterback. That it, it is going to be it's it's going to be interesting going into you know into the season because you you have Darrell Williams coming off an injury, you have Matt Paradise coming off an injury, you have. Sh- Cam coming off of shoulder surgery, a uh, second shoulder surgery, you know. So, and I feel like a lot of these things are going to be huge moving pieces. But you know, I, I, I again, what Lauren said, yeah, I I'm. We all have to pray and just be optimistic that these things will work itself out because I, I say if they do it's going we're going to have a very for, a formidable offensive line and and Kevin like you said when when we have a when we can protect cam cam is very deadly and very accurate from that from the quarterback and and we've seen the top of 2018 that in normalra Turner's offense he can be among one of the best quarterbacks from the pocket you know if we can protect him so it's going to be very interesting going into September.
2: Yeah, like I always say with uh, Cam is that I think the interior protection is more important because people always criticize about how he uh, has bad mechanics and throws off his back foot. But when I watch him, he does that when he feels interior pressure and he's not able to step up into the pocket and step into his throat. You know, it's no coincidence his best uh, season was when we had all pro version of Ryan Khalil at center Along with Trey Turner and Andrew Norwell. So I think, you know, with this signing, hopefully we can rebuild that interior old line and get that uh pocket clean for him so we can start stepping in the throws and delivering dimes again.
4: If you don't mind yeah. me to add one point though, Kev, with that being said, I know we just signed the center, but I don't want people to close the door on a guy like Bradbury, cause Paradise, we got him for three years. You go get a guy like Bradbury. He gets to learn from an all-pro for three years, and that's somebody that you can kick into the guard position. Whether it be left guard, you know, Trae's had some injury history as well. If Trey was to go down, you got to got to kick into the right guard. So I don't want people to close the door to a guy like Bradbury at 16 either. I think upgrading the interior offensive line should and always will be a priority for us as long as we got Cam Newton at the quarterback.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know... That that pocket that Cam needs to throw in definitely has to be as clean as possible. Because with the North with the North Turner offense, with the passing game, we, we saw a lot of the short passing game, a little bit of the intermediate game, and hardly any of the uh, deep vertical game. But anyone that knows uh, North Turner and the Eric Coriel playbook, you know this thing is all about deep pass, deep and intermediate passes. So, actually, what we saw last year was kind of like the, uh, I guess you can call the the back end of the playbook. So, I'm looking forward to see, with everyone healthy and an approved line, what, uh, what we really can see from Cam. Because prior to his injury, Cam Newton had one of the prettiest and um, accurate deep balls in the league and had the statistics to to definitely back it up. So, you're right. A guy like Bradbury should still be considered as a possibility, uh, a guy that I've kind of fell for as well is uh, Eric McCoy out of Texas A&M. Same thing. You know, if if Bradbury's not available to do his rising stock, uh, this center out of Texas and m McCoy, I think he can do the same thing. Uh, I like he plays with a, with that nastiness and and drive. And I think he can also play that guard until uh, – and learn three years from Paradise, who will be – I think 32, if I'm not mistaken, when his contract is up. So, you know, keeping with that youth movement. So, yeah, either one, the uh, interior offense line is definitely not out of play uh, with the uh, with the early draft picks. So it'll be inter- interesting to see. And um, as I keep, you know, scrolling through with, with, uh, with what Ron Rivera was talking about here, we was talking about, touched on a little bit about, you know, where guys are going to fit and uh, plugging things in. Uh, really what Coach Rivera had to say about that. Uh, First thing he said was, left guard is not a concern. Uh, Greg Van Roten played every single offensive snap for Carolina in 2018, and we have no concerns with him at left guard. Now, with that being said, could the possibility of a younger, more talented Interior lineman come in and give him a challenge? Yes. Competition brings out the best to everybody. I was one of the first ones, along with Larry, who was on the Van Roten bus last year um, for a couple, for him getting a spot on the team. And he got a spot and he proved his worth. So that was definitely uh, that was definitely a good find to have Van Roten on the team last year because he was the only person to play every single snap um, on the offense last year. A uh, couple other things that Rivera mentioned as we wrapped up this talk about the offensive line, he was saying that there is some speculation that Williams could play left guard. So, again, it's going to be moving pieces. Will touched on the great. You want your five best offensive linemen out there, and we'll we'll get this thing figured out through OTAs and through minicamp. And once Camp Wofford opened up, I'm sure we'll see a lot of moving around to get the best fit. But, yeah, I definitely think that uh, we, we're going to put the best combination out there, and I think we're going to have some solid depth as well.
4: I think offensive line just became the eyes of training camp. That's what I'm looking forward to when we get the waffle later
3: in July. Yeah. And, and Kev, you know, I, I think the, with the, you know, the real funny thing that at the end of last season, one of the probably the more questionable things about our team was the offensive line. We go into this next season as probably I think was one of the more assured up position. Now, I, I still think that, uh, again, I agree with Lawrence and I agree with both of you all. You still have to go center or interior offensive linemen in the draft, but you know, I, I think we've, Last season we we didn't do a great job of adding depth to the offensive line and, and it's great to see that we've learned from those mistakes, or at least it seems that we've learned from those mistakes and it's starting to add a lot more depth on the offensive line, you know. So I, I'm 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 all for it, man.
4: I agree with you, man. I'm all for I'm all for Greg Grand Rogan, but one thing to say, yeah, he played every game, he played every snap. But I never had a problem upgrading the ability to protect Cam. If we can get one of these rookies that will become a pro bowler, I'm all for it. Like Will said earlier, I just want the best possible five, no matter the rotation. That's the benefit, man. You want to find guys that play multiple positions. I love hearing the sound that Darrell Williams might play right tackle, he might play left tackle, he might play left guard. I love seeing the fact that Moulton can play left guard, left tackle, right tackle. That versatility says a lot to me, so I just want the most versatile guys and the most formidable guys to be able to protect Cam Newton this
3: upcoming season.
2: Yeah, it's kind of funny because you go back to uh, 2017, you had all the injuries at wide receiver. So we had the law firm starting heading into the playoffs. Who was it? It Burson, Shepard, Clay, and Frazier. Then last year, we didn't have depth on the O-line. We learned our lesson again. Now we got to start calling guys off their couch to come start 10, 11 games for us. So I think hopefully they learn their lesson and we'll get that O-line depth as well behind a
4: pair of Quick question for you, though, Will. Aside from offensive line, what's your other concern as far as depth? reason I ask that is because last season, it just passed, a lot of Panther fans have written off Mr. Mr. Cornel. They've completely written him off like he's a bum. And I don't think that's the case. I think that he's actually a pretty good nickel cornerback. but I mean, Because he spent most of his reps in training camp playing nickel and was forced to play the outside... He looked a lot worse than what he really is. So would you think that maybe corner is something we need to add depth to this year, especially after we moved off from of Captain Mullen? but With uh,
2: cornerback, remember we getting Ross Cockrell, Kevon Seymour back. Then you got Corn Elder and Rashawn Golden competing for that nickel spot as well. So I think we got a good competition at corner. But if you can get maybe a Mark Fields from Clemson, mid to late rounds, I'm all for it. You know, add that 4-3 speedster right next to Dante Jackson. You know, if you can yeah. add a Greedy Williams, I'm all for it. If you can add a, you know, what's the boy from uh, Washington, Uh Byron Murphy, you know, go. I'm all for it. But, you know, if we're not able to get that guy in the draft, you know, just you have to have that open competition with Seymour uh, Cockrell and Corn and see who steps up to the plate because, you know what I mean, A nickel corner, basically a starter in today's game. So, I mean, you got to have that ability to play both inside and outside. That'll let Dante travel as well. So, we'll see.
4: You know I'm awful that Mark Fields, man. I believe in NFL prep pedigree. You look at Christian McCaffrey, his father played 10-plus years in the league. He came in the league ready to go. Even though Mark Fields had some struggles at Clemson, his father, most Panther fans should know about, was a real deal in the league. So I think when he comes into the league, whether we get him in the third round, fourth round, fifth round, you're getting the pros pro. So I'm willing to grow with his pains. Like if he has some struggles, that's fine with me. The athleticism is there and I pretty much know the work ethic is going to be there. So like you said, I don't mind adding another corner, but if it's not really Williams, I'll add another corner in the later rounds just to add depth. So I think that's something that hurt us last year.
1: Uh, as far as my little two cents on on the um, defensive backfield, uh, most y'all know I was a big Kevin Seymour fan last year. Uh, I know he had a a rough stretch in uh, Buffalo when he gave up the touchdown to Kevin Benjamin, and you know everybody thought you know oh he's a bum and all all that other all that other noise. But I definitely uh, again I just want to have quality depth because we saw what happened when uh, Dante Jackson went out. I think that was the what Seattle game. Was that yeah, Seattle was when Seattle. Dante was out? Yeah, Seattle. Yeah, yeah, Seattle. yeah. personally, I, I'm hoping that we we carry six cornerbacks on the final roster and four possibly five safeties. I mean it's a pass heavy league, And I, I just think that we gotta you know we gotta you know factor in having, you know, more bodies, you know, there to uh, to play because we all see, you know, you lose a key player in your secondary, you don't have nobody capable, ready to step up. You know, uh, the opposing quarterback and offense coordinator, they're going to target that repeatedly until you find a way to stop it. You know, so we definitely uh, – I think that'll be something to keep in mind when we do the uh, final 53-man countdown will be the uh, – making sure we have corner – back depth at the uh, outside and at the nickel position because it gets ugly when uh, when a key player goes out real quick in a hurry.
4: I know you've so. tired of seeing that. We've been saying that for years. <laughs> 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 One bad corner with this Melvin White. <laughs> no matter who it is, yo, it seems like the best The best quarterbacks are able to find that weakest link. They'll target them all night. So that's just, I want to have depth there, just like I want to have depth on the offensive line. Those are the two most important things in me, the offensive line and, and also protecting that back end. So I agree with you guys on that on that regard. And another
2: thing is, you know, my pro comparisons for Dante Jackson coming out last year was Janoris Jenkins, um, Pac-Man Jones, <clears throat> Chris Harris Jr. out of Denver. And what separates them from other corners is that they can go inside, play slot. And they can step outside and cover, <clears throat> excuse me, a shadow your number one receiver. So I think in order to allow Dante to travel in the slot or cover guys outside, you gotta have another versatile cornerback that can play both in the slot and outside to allow Dante to travel. So guys Absolutely. that can just play nickel, you know, that's gonna limit what we can do defensively.
4: Hey, well, that's a good that's a really good point, man. I agree with you. It's nothing like having two guys because I think most of Panther Nation they enjoy watching Dante play deep safety last year. But you can't do that unless you have another corner that can come out and play on the outside. So in this draft, you know, adding a another versatile corner might be what we need.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and and guys, just to go off of y'all's point, I think of course adding depth is the 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 death from the necessity. I'm sorry. But I think what we've done so far in this offseason has set us up to where we can we can go any position on that defense and especially in that secondary from free safety because you know I feel adding a safety would be just as you know would be just as helpful as adding a corner you know because you add a, a guy that can that can go for, and that from is rangy that can cover from sideline to sideline but also can step in the box that adds another element to that defense as well. So I I mean, I have love what we've done so far in the offseason. And yes, adding adding another corner, especially that a versatile corner, would would be, would be cr- crazy for that defense, just like adding a safety would. So I'm I'm very excited to see where what we do in this draft. And, and, you know, and if what we're seeing Herney say now, as in we still may be possibly going after somebody in free agency, if if we can add somebody in that secondary in free agency, and then go into the draft, and also add something. we can be our defense can look very different and play and and be a lot more dominant, and, and we can get back to that real Carolina defense that we've seen in previous years. So, man, I'm I'm excited to, to see what this draft is going to was going to uphold. That's
4: a really important yeah, point. You know, Marty. Go ahead, Cap.
1: Yeah, I agree. And you know, to wrap this part up is that like Rivera said, we want position flexibility. And I think that what they're trying to do is when we're on defense, they have about four or five players that can play multiple spots in any given defensive look so that when offense come to line, they not sure, they can't just automatically assume going after a certain player because, you know, Dante might be in the slot one play. He might be the deep safety the next or, you know, um, you know, just just had that type of versatility where we got four or five different players on defense that can play multiple roles. And all, all we all Rivera's trying to do with these changes is create an extra second or two of hesitation. That's 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 what he say he's going after for this. This ain't nothing complex. What he's trying to do, he just trying to create an extra couple of seconds for for our defense to to get in and um and disrupt the quarterback. And I and I think adding players with the type of versatility that we're discussing is 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 the key so I wouldn't be surprised at all if we went off went out and got a corner and a safety to add to the secondary it wouldn't bother me at all because this class is deep at both positions with what we're trying to do
3: yes it is
4: and Kev before you move on what did we place last year in pressures that's the question right that that's the answer right there they just say we were like eleven
1: or something like that. Yeah, we was top ten, if I'm not mistaken. The Panthers was, I believe, ninth, and quarterback pressure. So, for all the talk of what you know, what our defense line didn't do, we was getting, we was getting there to cause havoc. We just wasn't pulling the quarterback down, you know. To be top ten in and QB pressures, but bottom five in sacks. That. That pretty much explains why we were so horrible on third downs. You know, we knew there was going to pass. They know that we know that it was going to pass, but they know that we wasn't going to be able to to get there in time to, to to stop the pass from happening. And I just think that that as you stated before, Laramie, I mean, you talk improving the secondary could probably have more effect on the pass rush than adding, you know. Uh, a defensive end or edge rusher. Now, I'm not saying we go to war with with what we got currently. I'm hoping we definitely add us a piece, but you know, we have a a safety to go with Reed and another cornerback to allow us to have this flexibility that we're talking about here. I think that we get that extra two seconds for Veris talking about and you know we can easily be, you know, putting ourselves top 10 in both sacks and pressures.
4: Well, any of those combinations, maybe a, maybe a Sweat, Adderley. I just don't think Adderley's going to get out in the first round personally, but <laughs> you pair a, a Sweat with an Adderley, that's a win to me. A, a Burns, Savage, that's a win to me. I'm just and, we, We're excited because I think we're in a good place, Panther Nation. We're in a really good place as far as the way this draft is going to fall. So, and, you know, Donald Savage out. is
2: a – Savage just slept on prospect. You know, you watch him on tape. You know, he's playing, you know, single high. He's moving in the box. He's covering as a nickel safety. He's breaking on the ball. You know, he's a great tackler. You know, He's like a heat-seeking missile in one support. I really like him as a football player, man. I think, you know, I'm excited that we, you know, use one of our private visits on him because I think he can really fill a need for what our defense could use right now. So, Savage is definitely a player I'll take if we can't get
4: somebody like an Adderley early on. So. I agree with you, Will, because you know he can also play a man from the nickel. So <laughs> he's got it all, if you honest with you.
2: And something not yeah. to sleep on is we got his teammates, uh, DJ Moore and Jermaine Carter, in the draft last year. So that should help his transition to the pros because he's got guys on our team that he already knows. So I think that's a very realistic prospect. The Panthers should be targeted.
1: Yeah, and I also think um Juan Thornhill out of Virginia. I mean, I personally, from what I'm seeing, I, I think him and and Savage could be in the same class of safety. Uh you talking about someone that was a full you know played four years at Virginia. Uh definitely a ball hawk, you know, 13 interceptions. Uh plays the single high like we do in cover one. Uh definitely is able to you know, play you know underneath and and get in and mix up in the zone. So, you know, Savage or Thornhill uh, at safety would uh would be a I would consider definitely a big win. Carl, will you you kind of follow Virginia a little bit? You uh you, you got anything you can add about Thornhill?
2: Yeah, I mean, one thing I suggest about him is look at the type of athlete he is. Like you um in high school, he was a highly recruited basketball prospect, and you can just see him doing these uh, crazy dunks. I think his vertical was like a forty-four inches. I think he runs like a four-four 40 Um, good broad jump, it's good athletic profile. So I think great athlete. I don't think he has the polish as far as football instincts that Darnell Savage has, but definitely if you know we can't get a Savage or an Adderley Thornhill, somebody we can look at in maybe the late second or third round.
1: Yeah, also your boy from out of Florida too, uh with the three names. Um Yeah, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: He'll be a nice fit, too. Right. He has a lot of versatility as well. You know, he played mostly nickel, but he has a lot of range. And I think that, you know, his athleticism and range could translate better to a free safety than, say, a Rashawn Golden, like we drafted last year. I think Golden's game was um, read and react, play downhill, you know, in the box. He's not really a guy you want in man coverage or
3: trying to play center field. Don't get Lawrence started about little well, golden man.
4: Yeah, let's leave him golden <laughs> out of it. Man, that's the worst graphics since the <laughs> average to me. But being that y'all mentioned his safeties, honestly, the only other person I would probably put in Savage's class outside of Adley, of course, I don't want anybody to sleep on Rock Yasin from my what temple. I watched yeah, some of his tape. Guy. I watched a lot of his tape. He shows some of that same range, that same athleticism. So he's another guy I'm looking forward to. But I think we, all of us, are on the same page as far as possibly addressing that free safety position. If we can't address the edge right away, we's gotta have we gotta we gotta have we gotta have immediate impact in one of those two positions, whether it's the edge right away or it's the free safety position. So I think we're on the same page as far as that goes.
1: Yo, can y'all imagine if we draft Rock Yassin and at the game he makes a play and then on the play be like, he is my rock, 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 <laughs> rock,
3: rock, rock, rock. <laughs> Yo,
1: that would be tight. You know what
4: I'm saying? <laughs> his name alone is cool. Like, you gotta go draft oh. a guy like that. Rock Yassin. That sounds so powerful. <laughs> Absolutely. They definitely, the media is gonna definitely be able to make some plays with his name alone. But he's Definitely. a good football player, like leaving his name out of it. He's a really, really good football player that we should look at in those early to mid rounds.
1: But uh, to get back to this whole thing with the defensive linemen, I um, you know, by this been a position that I played and, and I always follow up. I'm okay if Kyle Love is a plan C, you know, for us. So, what I mean by that, I mean, he played good. But he also is going to be 33, and if we're going to continue this whole youth movement, I want to see what, you know, what we can do as far as with the draft. This is a very talented draft for interior defensive linemen, and with us going with this hybrid look, position flexibility, I think this also gives uh, Butler his chance to, to prove he's worth an extension. Personally. I don't want to pick up his fifth-year extension, and anybody knows I am Vernon Butler's number one fan, but I am not trying to do another nine million dollars ally. What Shaq Thompson is getting because of the fifth-year option, I'd rather take a chance, see what Butler's going to do, try to sign into extension if he balls out. But if he's not, I'm not trying to tap no more cap on a on a what if on a on a player that uh that's been around this long and hasn't whether it was his fault or whether he has opportunity or not to establish his resume. Um, start with you, Monty, what you, uh, how you feel about the uh, defensive line position and these men that we, uh, that I just discussed.
3: Um, well, extended. And, and that's the, and that's the big thing about it is, are we going to extend Vernon Butler now and, and just play the odds and see, will will he eventually pan out or do you just, this is, you know, right. <laughs> you know, and, and and I think we all can kind of are, are, are on the point. Is like, you know, you you don't take that chance and you don't extend them. So, with that being said, as, as for Kyle Love, I would love. I would <laughs> no pun intended. I would love for us to keep Love. You know, and, and but with with the draft being like you said, with the draft being so deep this year, there is no need to. Overpay for, for for an aging guy, and there's definitely no need to extend a guy that has proven a first round guy at that. No, you know, and, and I feel like that may have not been fair for mm-hmm. Vernon Butler, you know, because he can't control where he was drafted, but he mm-hmm. has not pro you know, he has not proven to be what we thought he was going. You know, he's he, he's was he's never paying out to be. Uh, k one shorts uh, replacement, you know, so, and that we, that essentially was what, why, why we drafted them. So, with the draft being so deep this year, I'm, I'm absolutely on board with you. And, you know, and again, like I said earlier, we've set ourselves, we've set ourselves up so well that in the free agency that you don't have to reach it almost. And I feel like all draft, you can just pick the best player available, seriously, all draft, and, and you can't go wrong, you know. That's and, a really
4: a good point, you know
3: you know, and right, and and I and I, and I feel like you you just you, you, we've done you know we don't give Herney enough credit for what he's done over the last two years. You know, because people are going to cry about the post on, and you know, but but I'm willing. That is one guy I'm willing to bet is going to have a better year second time around than he did his first season here. I'm willing to I'm willing to put my money on Pose, and I'm willing to put it on Butler. You know, I'm so right. you, you know, you know, so I so. We don't give Harney enough credit for the, the what he's done the last two years from the post signing. I'm because I'm standing on the post signing to, to now the um to you know to the center that you know uh, Matt Paradis, I'm sorry, you know it, to to resigning uh, Darrell Williams to a cheap. You know we've done so well in the free agency that def- defensive tackle. If that's the best player at 16, I'm all for it. Same with safety, you know. It, you know, it's it, 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 it. We have really done a great job this year, and and it's it's going to it's going to be great to see what we do uh, come drafting.
4: So Monty, my question is, how much do you want to put on that? Because I'm not sold on the post signing at all. I once was. I looked at. I basically looked at a, a skeleton of what he was, but you know, the four of us we watched tape. I watched a guy named Frank Ragnow drive him off the ball ten yards and turn him. I'm just not sold on him. And then when it comes down to like a guy like Kyle Love, I understand he's on the plus side of the thirty, but nothing in his game is stated that he's old.
3: He's and, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, I agree with the. I, I absolutely to me, if we could have kept Love. I would have been then. Then that's the question of: Do you do is Poe really worth? You know, it was Poe really worth that contract. But since what we've now seen that we may possibly not sign Kyle Love back. I, you know, I, I think now we're in the point of you have to see if, if you know what we we got what we got with Poe. To me, I'm just willing to bet with his age, with you know, because at the end of the season, let's not let's not act like at the end of the season when uh, when Ron Rivera took over that Poe didn't have a, a lot better, and especially the last two games and have a lot better too. Now, of course, we can't gauge two games all over a sixteen game period. But you know, you know, but but I'm I'm just giving him another offseason, you know, because I feel like give him another year in, in this uh, in in this system, you it's know. In, in
4: system. I'm sorry, it's a new system. It's it a, I'm, just, yeah. I'm just messing with you. No, I mean, but, but
3: you know, I mean, but I and I, and that's fair, and I and I think that's a very fair point. But you know, I really do think that Pope can will definitely pan out, you know, and I feel like we can't throw, you know, I feel like we, we've thrown so many guys to the Wolves off of, off of a bad season that we turn around, and I'm going to say Trey Boston so many times until I'm blue in the face. Yeah. yeah you, know, you, you know, so um, so it, I, I, I'm I, not ready to, to give give up on Poe yet, man.
4: I mean, if I'm going to give any optimist, optimism out of the situation, Poe's best years were in the 3-4 since we're going to be giving
3: more of three, four looks. I'm Absolutely. Just, Absolutely. Just you know, that part, but. You know and, and like I say, just, just, you give him another season. And if Ron Rivera is serious about taking over as the defensive coordinator, you know, I, I want to see what, what Ron Rivera and how he's going to use these guys as well. So, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's really going to be interesting, man. And, and again, if, if, we go defensive tackle at 16, you know, or, or if we go defensive tackle later on in the rounds and, and they pan out to be just as effective, you know, it's, we, you know, how we go. We love rotation. But yeah. if, you, you know, if, if, if Poe's not the best man on, on field, I, I'm fully expecting, you know, then to get his bond off the field anyway. So, but I'm, I, I'm willing to bet Poe's going to pan out this year.
4: My thing is this, I don't think we, we'll go DT at 16, but I think we'll go DT in one of these rounds. I'm perfectly fine with that. Get young as you can. Right, but I Kyle I Love with that. was something I pointed out to me is what Ron kept saying is he was important to what we do. He kept saying that Kyle Love was important to what we do. So this, on well, my personal insight, I think Love will be back. And if he's not back, I think it's because of the contract that Poe has that's just an unfortunate situation for the Carolina Panthers. You signed a guy like Poe to all this money. You got a guy like Kyle Love that can do the job a lot better and is a lot cheaper. So, like, I'm really, really, really disappointed in the Poe signing. But like you guys said, when Ron took over plays, Poe played better. My only issue with that is he, he still wasn't making an impact. Like, he was actually doing his job. And like when Ron took over plays, you saw Poe doing his job. He didn't say that he didn't do anything to me that would seem like not only is he doing his job he deserves to be here that's my only issue with Poe and I don't'm I'm not, I'm not even a Poe hater like I said we're going to a three four Poe's best years running a three4 back in Kansas City hopefully it works out for us but I'm looking forward to you know drafting somebody that can play that three technique in the draft as well. Butler I didn't talk about tonight because I'm pretty much over him. I had a I really enjoyed Kevin's breakdown of uh of Vernon Butler cuz he did show that he does a lot of things that don't pop up on film, but on the first round that's not really what you draft him to be. He wasn't he wasn't brought here to be a, a star like to He was brought here to make impact plays as a first round draft pick and we just didn't see him on a consistent basis. So you know, he has one more year. Like Kev said, I wouldn't pick up his option. Hopefully he balls out. If we put him a position where, you know what, let's re him or not, I'd rather be in that position. If he's worth the money, we'll give it to him, right? But at the end of the day, I'm looking forward to bringing somebody in new to play that DG position or bringing back Kyle Love, and that's my two cents on it. I'm
2: going to take a page out of
4: Bruce Irvin's
2: playbook and name drop my guy, Brian Cox, Jr., You know, we talk about NFL predigree. You know, his pops was a great linebacker for many years. The thing with Cox, you're not going to look at football reference or PFF and nothing's going to really stand out to you. You just got to watch him on tape. He's got a great motor, constantly hustling. You know, he'll make a lot of mistakes. You know, he'll make a not seal the edge on a run play. You'll see Luke go crazy, you know, cursing him out. But I bet you he's making that mistake at full speed. So I think when a guy's got a motor and just puts in the effort like that, you can always coachable. And I think he can—he's poised for a good season this year. I can see what Bruce Irvin saw in him to make him excited about his development and what his future has in store for
4: him. I agree with you 100%, uh, one hundred percent, a thousand percent. Actually, keep going.
2: Then we got to talk about Fa Obata, another high motor guy. You know, not going to be a starter or a dominant All Pro player, but keep in mind we rotate what eight D linemen, so you got to have these guys like Cox and Obata filling in for, you know, Bruce Irvin and Addison or whoever we draft.
3: Absolutely.
2: You know, just, these guys are just high-effort players with big, constant motors, and they make hustle plays. They'll make their share of mistakes. They'll make their share of goof-ups. But everything's done at full speed. you just got to, you know, you got to appreciate that. are not going to be high on PFF's rating list, but, you know, they can still be impact players for us next year
3: it and will and I, and I actually think that's a great point you know because we we don't mention guys like F.A. Obata, and we don't mention guys like Brian Cox. And, and I think it's very telling, again, another great point of you saying that Bruce Irvin even made it a point to mention that he wants to wrap his arm around Brian Cox because he sees the potential in him. You know, so so to hear that from, from Bruce Irvin and, and just to see how and, and see the flashes that we saw from F.A. Obata last year, I think that's a great point moving forward that, you know, adding pieces with the draft with the young talent that we already have mixed with guys like Mario Addison and now Bruce Irvin, you know, I, I, man, this, this defense is definitely primed to be a a young and, and and definitely dominant defense. We just have to make the right moves here moving forward to the draft. And, and like, again, if if we can make a late push or something in free agency, again, that would be, uh, uh, that would be brilliant. But like, we are primed to be a very great defense, like you said, with, with guys like F.A. Obada and Brian Cox. So that's a very great point, Will.
1: Yeah, fellas. So I, I really think that, um, you know, Herney is going to um, gonna put us in a real good position in 2019. And I, for one, am, am very excited about it. We're going to cover what Rivera had to say to wrap it up on with Mr. Tupper. This was his first time at a spring meeting as a full-fledged owner. As you know, this time last year, he was in the uh, process of buying the team, but still had to be voted on at the meetings in Atlanta last May, uh, pretty much with Mr. Tepper. He was basically speaking on learning how to be patient and being a guy that's all about numbers. He was stating that he's a very analytical guy when it comes to numbers. Uh, what he means by that is he looks at the stats. He 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 wants to see what's what's the conversion rate on on third and fourth down. Um, he's very much into um, what it is that the stats show on NFL Next Gen and things like that. So t- Mr. Tupper is definitely a stats guy, and that's why he's pretty much has. I think he has more insight, but he's also taking a step back and letting the football people doing doing their work. So I definitely think that Mr. Tepper has made it known what's going on, and we'll definitely look forward to uh, seeing how the team follows through with the vision that he has for the team. Uh, Mr. Tepper also went ahead to speak about the process of moving the team practice facility and headquarters into South Carolina. Uh, a lot of people have sometimes got it confused and I think that the team is not moving the stadium to South Carolina, but the option of having a practice facility in South Carolina is something that will keep this whole North South Carolina involved. So I definitely think that that is something that we got to, you know, take a look at and, and make sure that people understand that this is about involving both states. The Panthers would be playing at Bank of America Stadium. Period. They're going to have a bubble over the current practice fields before the 2019 season starts. Mr. Tepper said his team would not be practicing in the rain at all in 2019, and I like the I like the fact that he's making sure that that's going to happen. All right, great. Well, fellas, again, uh, definitely enjoyed you know just having this Panther conversation with you, fellas. Uh, I want to say on behalf of all of Panthers Nation that I appreciate the hard work that every single one of you guys put into the four-man rush. So to you, Larry, to you, Will, to you, Monty, I appreciate you guys. Uh, I always like to give special shout out to the people behind the stage. Tim Johnson, Noah Thornburg, Carnado Greg James, I appreciate you guys. So my name is Kevin Avery on behalf of the four man rush. We want to thank you all for listening to our third episode until the next time y'all take care. This is the four man rush.
4: Keep
0: pounding.
1: The four Man rush is brought to you by the love and respect of and for the Carolina Panthers and Carolina Panther fans everywhere. Keep pounding. The Four Men Rush is a non-affiliate of the Carolina Panther organization. All thoughts, assessments, and content of this podcast is directly related to the Four Man Rush exclusively. Thank you.